Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. It is Wednesday, October the 29th, 2014, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I am here solo at the moment. So, if you guys are listening to this, you know that uh, my wedding was this weekend, and it was amazing. Got married to the most amazing girl in the world, and the party was unbelievable, and I'll talk all about it later in the week. So that's the catch here. Um, because of the wedding and because of all the planning and because of the aftermath, um, taking this week off. So, or this, this Tuesday off, our usual recording day. Uh, we're going to record on Thursday and we're going to record, um, mostly about all the crazy news that happened, all the Marvel movies, Captain Marvel. Oh my God. Um, the DC movie slate, casting rumors, all of that stuff. Do a quick lightning round. Uh, it might be a shorter show than usual, but you're going to get a lot of content. Um, and then over the next couple of weeks, you're going to hear some listener feedback shows and a really, really cool uh, in-depth discussion about Hellboy, um, possibly some other stuff as well. well. We'll see how it goes while I'm on my honeymoon. Then once we're back, we're going to be full tilt with some awesome stuff for you guys, planning women in comics, um, planning uh, anti-bullying week. Um, but don't worry, this is not the last time you'll hear from us on a regular show. That'll be this Thursday coming up. I'll try at least a Thursday night if the latest Friday morning, so you, can, you guys can look for that. On this show, for Halloween, um, I wanted to do something. A few years ago, Bob and I recorded a podcast that was all about movies, and we did a, a, a show all about horror movies, and we did a lot of content about it, and I'm going to release some of that for you guys to listen to. Um, and you're also going to hear Bob's... Uh, so Bob Ryer, the amazing comparable Bob Ryer, officiated our wedding, and I don't want to... Because of all of our ceremony, our vows are private, and maybe we'll hear that in the future. But I do have Bob's part of the ceremony, and I want all of you to hear it. So that'll be included in this show as well. Um, thank you guys so much for listening and the support and the well wishes you've given me through this whole process, uh, getting married. It's been unbelievable and amazing. I love all you guys. You guys are all friends, um, more than fans or listeners. Thank you for sitting through us while we go through a really busy time for us and we're kind of not giving you guys the regular stuff. I promise you we'll get back on track very, very soon. But until then, here's some other content for you guys to check out. Okay, let us begin here. For those of you who don't know me, I, my name is Bob, and I am Bobby's co-host on the Talking Comics podcast. And when he and Karen asked me to participate in their wedding, this isn't exactly what I had in mind, but I am honored and privileged to be here today and 
as, as Harpo Marx said it on his retirement, unaccustomed as I am to public speaking, please bear with me through any technical glitches or sea lion attacks or anything. Um, anything is possible, it is nature. A bit of technical data here that we need to be careful with. Please, anyone who wants to take pictures, go right ahead. Just make sure you don't interrupt the professionals doing that work. And if you're sharing the pictures online, this is the first time anyone here is going to hear me say these words. It is, at, please save them to hashtag hug wedding. All one word. Uh, so thanks, and here we go. My opening lines are now more apt than ever as we are outside as we were hoping. So ladies and gentlemen and children of all ages, all of you who are the friends and family of Karen and Bobby, it is my honor to bid you the warmest welcome imaginable as we come together on this glorious day. One that in comic book terms would be labeled a grand cosmic event of the highest order. <laughs> With any luck, today can be as marvelous as the wedding of Susan Storm and Reed Richards in Fantastic Four Annual Number 3. But let's hope for a day without supervillains, as they tend to be real chauzes during the cocktail hour hogging all the jumbo shrimp. <laughs> Moving on, to begin our services today and to stay ahead of the local ordinances so not to have these services rendered invalid as in a bad TV sitcom, let me quote the prophet from Minnesota. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to get through this thing called life. Although in this instance, we are celebrating the very beginning for two young people who have decided to pledge their eternal love and respect for each other in the company of all you fine folks who are so deeply connected to the happy couple in so many ways. On the subject of connections, it is fascinating how serendipitous life can be and understanding that, how one shouldn't overlook the opportunities when they seem to emerge from thin air. For many of us here, Karen and Bobby included, our interconnections sprang from something as simple as a pub quiz at a local watering hole. <laughs> Yet the relationship that grew from those evenings would lead to deep and lasting friendships, strong romantic unions, our talking comic enterprise, and for Karen and Bobby, those chance encounters would engender emotions within them signaling that perhaps this is the person with whom I can be, I can be loved for myself, with no artifice nor pretense, and toward whom I can lovingly give my heart, knowing that those affections will be respected and returned in kind. At some level, we all feel a need to be loved by another, whether as the child seeking parental love or as adults yearning to find the safe haven in the arms of a soulmate. What I've long thought was a more important component to being fulfilled as a complete person is something instilled in me by my parents and that I had heard best expressed in an interview given by Ms. Audrey Hepburn, when she spoke most eloquently on having an overwhelming desire to give love to others as the most compelling force in her life. If your heart is truly alive, there is little to match the electric thrill you receive when you create a special moment, give that perfect gift, or even dry a beloved's tear. The smallest of kindnesses can matter far more than the grandest gesture. For instance, my parents were married June 1st, 1940, yet on the first of every month of every year for more than a half a century, they wished each other a heartfelt happy anniversary. Further. A compromise is not a surrender, but an understanding that another's feelings are more important than one's own. The truest of love stands perfectly revealed in this way, as giving souls will always seize the opportunity to provide a tender touch, a smile, or the solace of a comforting embrace when needs require, or the simple joys of an evening together in each other's company enwrapped in gentle conversation. The act of communicating with one's partner is yet another building block towards creating a lifetime's happiness. In the hustle of day-to-day -day life, we can too often overlook a subtle clue that the person we most care for needs a kind or uplifting word, or perhaps the ability to air a minor grievance before it festers into something untoward. 
Always listen, even when there was nothing being said, as though silences may be speaking volumes. And to quote Arthur Miller, attention must be paid, particularly to those who we love and cherish. As we've gotten to the subject of love and all its wonder, let us now proceed to the matter at hand, the celebration of that emotion in its most glorious expression, the union of a couple who embodied all the altruism Ms. Hepburn's thoughts, as they are certainly two people who believe in giving love to each other in the fullest measure. Deep breath from the efficient. Hey, Tom, it's Bob from the office down the hall. Good to see you, buddy. How have you been? Things have been okay for me, except that I'm a zombie now. I really wish you'd let us in. I think I speak for all of us when I say I understand why you folks might hesitate to submit to our demand. Here's an FYI You're all gonna die Screaming All we wanna do Is eat your brains We're not unreasonable I mean no one's gonna eat your eyes All we wanna do Is eat your brains We're at an impasse here Maybe we should compromise Open up the door We'll all come inside And eat your brain I don't want to nitpick, Tom But is this really your plan? Alright, so we are back with our Topic of the Week It is our Top 5 Horror Movies of All Time This goes along with Bob's list He's been counting down for the last few weeks Which is his Top 50, right? Horror Movies of All Time So we're going to go kind of round robin around the room And um, maybe you want to say before you start How you came up with your list Maybe like what your thought process was Mm -hmm. And then go into number 5 And then we'll just go go around Do we want to recap Bob's 45 real quick? No, I don't think we have to Okay, yeah, it's been up there They'll be on the site No problem Well, uh, I'll be going first It's, for me... I, I wanted to make sure that everything that I had on my list had a moment, at least a moment in it, of terror for me. Something, you know, d- not necessarily a out-and-out hor- horror film. It doesn't have to be, but it has to be a movie that makes me, like, shake when I think of something. Um, Daddy Daycare does that for me. <laughs> good job. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> my number five is Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, which is a... I don't want to say universally panned movie, but it's a movie that gets... Um, it's a universally panned movie. Uh, no, well, uh, uh, across <laughs> across the board, mixed reviews. Kenneth Branagh. It was Ken- Kenneth Yes, Kenneth Branagh. And it came off the heels of Bram Stoker's Dracula, which was you know universally acclaimed. And, and this movie has kind of been mixed reviews all throughout. I don't understand it. Like I, Bobby will, will make fun of me sometimes for you know, that movie's not as good as you think it re- really is. Wait, wait, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> that, 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 that movie isn't as good as it as it as, as you think it is. But this movie, I don't get why anyone doesn't like it. I don't. I, it's it's a beautiful film as far as the visuals are concerned. The score is amazing. It's one of the best I've ever heard. The performances are top notch. De Niro is truly the monster to me, and Brana is perfect as Victor. And I think that that moment where he's on the top of the roof after the uh, after the wedding is like is is sheer terror to me. 
and what happens as a result of that when he what he, what happens with his with Victor's bride afterwards it's a it, movie makes me cry movie affects me in many ways i don't get why people think it's bob I, because in everybody's mind frankenstein well the frankenstein monster it's karloff it's the movie from the 30s and every movie that's followed it has basically been the Karloff Universal model, whether it was Hammer or anybody else. They did that Frankenstein. How many people have actually read Mary Shelley's Frankenstein from 1818 or whatever it is? Very few. It's not, I'm sure it's not assigned in schools anymore. It was when I went to school back when, you know, Lincoln, took my, when Lincoln took my birthday <laughs> off. Yeah, it goes way back. Uh, it, it's a different perception. They wanted monsters running and Igor and and they didn't get that and so the lyrical beauty what you're talking about and I agree with you right but fell but, flat but people you know the 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 critics who are paid well to talk about things like this know that everyone you know anyone who's saying I'm not talking about the you know Joe armchair movie goer Joe the plumber right <laughs> but the critics just don't like that movie and I don't get it but I love it it's my number 5 good for you all right, RJ, you're number five. Okay, so this list was really hard for me because, like, I, I don't know, like, top five horror films is supposed to be like you know f- my favorite or like the ones that I think are really the best. So I don't know. I kinda, ah, the discussion ah, we began last week. This is an interesting discussion. <laughs> yeah. yes. Yes. So I, I kind of tried to mix it up, and I kind of tried to like put some classics in with some more modern ones that you know I've really liked. But I don't know, like I kept turning more and more to the classics but my number five was tough but i'm gonna have to say scream because for me personally it was a really influential movie and when that first movie came out on vhs i literally like watch it every night when i was going to bed i would fall asleep to it like every night it's great well it's a classic but it's also something that you personally have good memories of so And, you know, Scream 2, I wanted to go to film school to be like Randy, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you know so. Except not die. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, That's uh, perfect. There's yeah, so. all that influence. Yeah. And it still resounds, yeah. I- I'm going to agree with you hardly, especially because Scream is also my number five. <laughs> yes. <Wow. Yeah. laughs> um, and I agree with everything, everything you're saying. Like I said before, it was a hugely influential movie on me when I was growing up. I actually like I forced my mother to make to, to take me to go see it because I couldn't see it because I was <laughs> I was 13 years old and you know, I couldn't get into R-rated movies by myself. So I forced her to take me to the United Artists in Corum, which is now closed. Close. And we uh, and she actually saw every movie with me, every screen movie with me as they as they oh, went on. Great. But yeah, it made me want to. It, it, it was the only. Mo- it's still the only movie I can really remember ever watching. Where in the theater. I was constantly guessing, trying to figure out the mystery, and I've never had that feeling ever again in a, in a movie since then. Where I'm just like, I, I, I'm putting, and it, it a great job, which its sequels did not do such a great job of doing. Where the answer to the mystery is on screen at all times, so you can figure it out if you really, really try. Yeah, if you rewatch it, there yeah. are clues. You know, yeah. you, you hear subtle yeah. things that you're like, oh. Okay. That's yeah. another thing that makes it a good movie. If it stands up to being rewatched over and over, it's like, another. It actually sign of a gives good movie. you a chance to like figure it out yes like if you pay attention enough where it's like the rest come in with like you know the killer out of left field like where the hell is this guy from well like we were talking about last week friday the 13th right really yeah (laughs) where'd she come from yeah not even a character that's you know (laughs) and i think partly it was because i saw scream right around the time i was really starting to watch horror movies in general like around 12 or 13 that's when i really started getting into watching horror movies i was watching tons of them you know every week and this movie came out and 
it not only t- it talked about the movies that I that I've just been watching, and it said the things that I would say to my friends. Yeah, you know why are they do like why are they doing this? Like why are they walking into this dark room yeah. when I- why are they saying hello yeah. when obviously there's something going on? You know, yeah. you know or. You know, oh, here comes the cat. Oh, they're catching up. This person's going to die. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and also, I think it's a... Sorry, it's kind of a um, one of the starting points of all the uh, the way they write the dialogue as well. You know, he's like Dawson's Creek going into Scream and then, then yeah. you know, Juno coming along after that and that, that very self-aware dialogue that you know people don't talk like that every right. day, but it still kind of feels natural anyway. You right. know, it's, it's fun to listen to and the back and forths. And so, you know, I think it definitely had that going for it as well. Yeah. So that's my number five. Jackie, what's your number five? My number five is... Uh, actually, I have to check. <laughs> I have them written down. Uh, my number five is 28 Days Later. Because, you know, obviously I've got to put a British film on there somewhere. Cause, <laughs> but yeah, the feel of it, the score. I love how they use the music to really amp up some of the parts. Mm-hmm. Christopher Eccleston is one of my favorite actors. So, and it's, uh, it has a real moral center to it as well. Yeah. Like it's a real, it's not just, oh my God, crazy zombies, everyone's running away. It's like, what would you do in that situation? You know, and, and how would the government react in that situation? Who makes, who makes the decision as to who is more worthy of saving and you know i really i liked the whole movie and uh the, and the gore when it happens is very effective the chase scenes you know with coming down that tunnel mm-hmm. and yeah I, the, the whole thing it, so it, much humanity though exactly and that's the thing it's not it's not the gore and it's not the scare factor it, it's the it's the moral dilemmas that these people are facing and uh yeah, the scariest really moment in that movie to me. I mean, most people would cite the beginning when he wakes up to a deserted city, but we've seen that before. Yeah, yeah. it's the dad with oh, the, drop the drop in his oh, eye. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, oh. exactly. When that your yeah. heart breaks. Yeah. yeah, get away, get away from me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. You know, I, I, it's very close. It was very close to being on my top five. It's not on my yeah, top five. Scream was yeah. my number six. This was my number seven. Yeah, it was very, very close. I, I love this film. It was actually yeah. we, when we did our top twenty-five movies of the decade. It, it was on that list yeah. for me. I, yeah. It's it's an amazing uh, modern zombie film. Yeah. Uh, the best thing, the interesting about is the end completely forgoes like the zombie thing. It, you know, it's about yeah. people as monsters, well, not yeah. monsters. It's, it's, one the, yeah. it's one of the best exactly. third acts I've ever seen. Yeah. 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 And it introduced us to uh, Killian Murphy. Yep. Yeah, it's like, and again, it's like it's a great British trait. With the t- I'm, I'm not sure how much British TV everyone's watched, but with the TV and the films, we don't need the uh, gorgeous screen icon who's who's amazing and perfect teeth and lovely skin and wonderful hair. We don't need that. Because you have nobody like that who lives in England. <laughs> yes, we oh. do. Excuse me. I, I'm kidding. Yeah, I'm kidding. I give you <laughs> Kelly Brook. Thank you. <laughs> But no, we don't, you know, it's it's not about that. It's about the characters and the actors and the, it's the normal people. Yeah, it's about normal people. What would happen to normal people if this if this happened? Kelly um, Murphy's a pretty good looking guy. <laughs> not lying naked on that bed, he's you not. Know, yeah. <laughs> good point. Though the way it was shot too was kind of when that movie came out, you know, movies, big movies weren't shot with yeah. those cameras. Exactly. I'm not yeah. sure where they shot them, but it's, it's, it's very, digital. Yeah, it's all digital. It's, like, it's very stark. Yeah. And, yeah. And it, no, there was nothing that was shot all digitally at that, at that point, yeah. really. So, yeah, it's a great film. All right, Bob, you're number five. Number five from 1974, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, okay. The quintessential 70s, slimy, greasy, weird, what are these people doing? <laughs> that they've yeah. now, you know, yeah. Rob Zombie obviously saw, loved, embraced, right. absorbed. Right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, for a lot of people who haven't seen it, and there still are a lot, they've seen the remakes or uh, sequels going forward, 
it's a rather bloodless film. Yeah. Right. yeah. There right. really isn't much going on in the terms suspense. of that, what you'd expect. Yeah. But it's just, who are these people and why are they acting that way yeah. that you find out eventually mm-hmm. right. that it's this bizarre little family group yeah. and they're, they think they're fine. Again, and it's the same. It's the same thing. It's the terror comes from knowing that there might be people out there that don't have the same morals and ethics Absolutely. and motivations that you do. And what happens if you cross paths with them? Yeah, you know, the hills have eyes. Got, you know, yeah. similar does not theme. End, does not end well. Yeah, yeah. Also, the way that that movie shot, it yeah. looks like a documentary. Yeah. You know, and that's that. I think that's one of, probably one of the things that scared people the most when it came out was that it looked like it was really happening but, that somebody yeah. was shooting. And they claim it's based on a true story, right? Well, it's based on the Ed Gein, Ed Gein, Ed Gein like yeah. a million Hollywood movies. Exactly. Are, yeah. Are based yeah. On, yeah. yeah. That, that was you know that was. But I heard they put that on there like just. Basically, to get people's attention, like, yeah, right. they hadn't really based it off anything. It's, I mean, Which, it's a again, very little movie, and, what, and again, it goes on to be used in Blair Witch, Paranormal Activity. Yeah, yeah that whole idea of this is real, yeah. this right. is real. Right. Well, there's you a know. movie Deranged that came out this, this, the year before, year after. I'm not quite. It depends where in the country you are. That's based on Ed Gein, and certainly there are other films, and movies Lecter. about. Yeah, yeah based exactly. On Hannibal Hannibal yeah, they're Ed Gein movies, and it all comes down to that is a true story. Yeah, it is. But he yeah. didn't. Re- he only killed one person. He, he, most of them he dug up from the local graveyard. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, he his actually. Mom. Yeah, right. he wasn't actually a mass murderer. Yeah. but yeah, still a freaky guy. <laughs> Though they did after he was arrested, they burned down his house. Yeah. Because it had become a tourist attraction. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so the locals burned his house down. I probably would have went. Yeah. <laughs> you probably I think went. everyone around this table would have gone with you. So yeah. the uh, the scene in the woods at the end where he's chasing her and he's just uh, like oh. he is, he's like screaming and he has a he's yeah. running as fast as he can with the chance up of his head. Yeah. Is is pure. It's pure it's terror. terror. Yeah, I love Absolutely. the end. Yeah. It's like her screaming yeah. at yeah. the camera. Yeah. Like, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's brilliant. It's pure terror. Yeah. Okay. Brian, Brian, you're number four. My number four is the 1981 The Thing. Oh, good choice. Which yeah. now I has come up on Bob's list already. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the original, the 51, The Thing from Another World, is one of my, one of my favorite movies. I love yeah. that movie. It's um, it's more of a suspense thriller than right. than a horror movie uh, with uh, wonderful characters, great dialogue. And Carpenter takes all that stuff and and just revitalizes it. Yeah, and it's, it's one of the best remakes ever made. I think I think it was both of our number ones. I would, it was my number one remake. It would of all be time, mine yes. too on, on on our list because because it it does everything right. It take it it keeps the integrity and and and, and makes something new. The, just like Hellraiser that we watched this week, the, the, those creature effects, which are you know six years earlier. Mm-hmm. Is stunning and un- an unbelievable. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Bob, I think you said the greatest use of profanity in hi- the history of movies is <laughs> as, in that. as a head crawls out the door. You've got to be fucking kidding. <laughs> yes. It's. Yeah. Um. It, it's terrifying. You know, just that that the the isolation and 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 the unsure un- unsurety. That's, that's not a word. Uncertainty. 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 Yeah. There you go. Uh, of of the, I, I like unsurety. It means the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a real word, but it means the same thing. Of, uh, it sounds like the brand of an adult of, diaper or yeah. something. Though, of it? those characters and their plight is just um, yeah. it's it, and it's extremely rewatchable. And I like I when 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 shit goes crazy, it freaks me out right. in that movie all the time. It's okay. funny. Like I saw that movie the first time two years ago. What? I mean, we, we, we've had the same discussion like three times already. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> the same reaction every time I saw it. You know, like the memento thing going on. Or something. Uh, and I blew me away. It was my, my favorite remake of all time. But it's funny. Like when I think of it, like we were talking about it before, off mic, I don't like horror movies. Another thing that comes to my mind for some reason. It's obviously 
very bloody and a ton of gore. For some reason, it feels more like a like a science fiction movie to me right, than yeah, a horror movie. Close, yeah. For whatever, yeah. whatever reason, and that's the only reason it's not on my list. Is well, actually, and also you said about two years ago you saw it. This is the one of the ones for me where I saw it when I was thirteen or fourteen. Mm, yeah. So it has that memory of oh, terrifying. Oh, you saw it <laughs> terrified the life out of me when I first saw it because I was younger so it has that as well I mean definitely don't get me wrong it definitely like it definitely scared me when I when I watched it it definitely has some scary moments but it just for some reason when, like when I when I when I like section things off in my brain it like just doesn't like yeah. I don't like animals like personally that much <laughs> but I the band or I feel really bad <laughs> yeah, I band. feel I feel so bad for that dog oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. it can't be it's fun to turn inside dog. out yeah <laughs> Keep repeating to yourself. It's not a real dog. <laughs> All right, RJ, you're number four. Okay. Uh, my number four is the only new movie on my list, I think, and it's Trick or Treat. And oh, nice. We watched that last discussion. week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, uh, I really like it, and Halloween's my favorite holiday, and that movie just does so much justice to the holiday. We, we said that last week. It's like I a know. love story it loves to Halloween. Halloween. It yeah. loves Halloween. It definitely yeah. does. It's got like... It goes through, like, every generation that sees Halloween from, like, kids to adolescents and then the old man who's, like, the, yeah. you know, grumpy old guy. And it is, like, quintessential. Because I was saying last week that coming from England, we don't really do Halloween that big or at least we never uh, did when I was a kid. So to see that movie, that was what I imagined yeah. American Halloweens yeah. to be like. Mm-hmm. You know, it was the quintessential American right. Wait, Halloween. Wait, people murdering each yeah. other? Yeah. Little <laughs> kids <laughs> being thrown into a rock quarry? Yeah. So the little vignette. Kids die. You love it. Oh, yeah. More kids dying. Yeah. Wow, it's getting a little worrying. Yeah, that's one, yeah, one of the reasons. You don't want him babysitting. Look, and what's your favorite story? And yeah, it's favorite story is the one where all the kids die. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> also because it's the uh, you know the local legend that yeah you know, the every urban kid legend goes yeah. and tries to scare yeah. himself. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. And just the story structure, everything about that movie. Yeah, yeah. I, no, I totally agree. Total agreement around this yeah. thing. Yeah, we, yeah. I, we, we all love that movie. Um, so my number four. I had a lot of debate going to front of my number four. Um, it's funny when I do lists. It's it's interesting. I don't know if other people have this thing, but like when I do a top five list. Like I'll I'll get my number five. Like Scream was my number five to begin with, and then my number four was between this movie and another movie. And either this movie's gonna be number my number four, or it wasn't gonna be on my list. Wow, it's a really I have a really weird thing with lists. Like it's like because Scream gets number five for me because of like what it means to me and all this you know this other stuff like. Regardless of the fact of how it stands up today, when I watch it as a as a twenty seven year old man instead of like a thirteen year old boy, mm-hmm. you know. But then when I get down below number five, it becomes more about to me like like how do, when I watch it now, right. like how do I feel about it? That's because I didn't really talk about my list before. That's kind of how I how I go with my list. Okay. So um, number four was between two movies. I chose this movie because um, it, it is kind of also defined horror movies to me, and it's. The original um, Halloween is my number is my number four. Okay, obviously right. John Carpenter, nineteen seventy eight, yeah. um, kind of def- kind of started out the slasher movie genre, and is probably still the best of any of those those films. Although, funnily enough, you say about it starting out the slasher genre, it it's not really gory. There's no. not yeah. really that much no, blood. No, the first movie is not know? that gory. No, yeah. no, it's not. But that's what's great about it. It's all yeah. about the suspense. Yeah. And and not about Michael Myers. He's in it. He's yeah. the focus of the discussion. Right. Yeah. But it's talk about Michael. He does some things, but it's about those girls. And it's about Doctor Loomis, mm-hmm. yeah. And it's 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 a chase movie that you and, until all the pieces finally come together. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Um, obviously, Carpenter is is famous for the way he uses a frame. The um, the frame is always filled up to the brim, and you always 
have something scary just hanging out in the corner, mm-hmm. and it, it has always really it, it really affected me when I watched it for the first time. Uh, it was the first time probably when I was twelve or thirteen, uh, you know, in my friend's uh, you know room, and we got, we were all really scared, and right. you know, we're looking outside of his window, thinking we're going to see <laughs> a, a guy like walking between the cars and stuff. And it was you know it's a great moment, but even at, you know even watching it, I watch about what usually once a year, and it still ho- always holds up. Well, I guess that's a good thing. Like you could say, and like you have the good memories of it, of it scaring you, but also you can appreciate it from a filmmaker's point of view it's yeah. also a really well made movie oh it's an excellently oh, made movie yeah. it's yeah. made by someone who loves movies right, right. absolutely exactly. he, had, he had grabbed a lot of messages from everywhere else now yeah. I'm the only person on this table who saw this in a theater in 1978 <laughs> uh, yes people it was the year I was born so <laughs> thank you People just went crazy. People were talking about yelling at the television. They were yelling at the screen. Yeah. Why are you putting the knife down, you stupid cow? Pick it back up, stab him in the throat eight or nine times. Yeah. But it was just, the, it, again, it came out in the fall when, you know, the, the movie set in. The idea of, you know, teenagers going to see it. Teenage yeah. girls babysat that. Exactly. Now it's a little yeah. different, but that's what it was then. You're telling this story that had cultural resonance yeah. with everyone. And again, like, and that scene, like you saying about pick up the knife, you know, it that scene where he sits up behind her is just complete yeah. terror. Yeah. Yeah. And like you're watching it, in frame. complete yeah. terror. The way he shoots yeah. it is like that's not even the most important thing in the frame no. when he's shooting it. <laughs> exactly, and, it, it, and because it, you feel like her, you yeah. feel like yeah. you you're like sat her, there you feel like, and I've gotten it's, this yeah. over with. You know, I've gotten this over with, and all of a sudden this thing happens in the background, and yeah. that, that's why it's so scary because yeah. it's coming out of nowhere. I mean, everything about it, um, um, Donald Pleasance, obviously, as, as Dr. Loomis, mm-hmm. it, it, yep. is wonderful. The beginning sequence terrified me a, 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 as a kid. I mean, the first person, uh, kid with the mask on, killing his sister, like, in, in, in a really kind of harsh way, in, in almost like a like a psycho kind of way, is sure. what, what, what it really kind of feels like in a yeah, lot of ways. Definitely. Uh, so, I, I, it's, yeah, I, I love that movie, and it definitely holds up. Yeah. Jackie. Super. All right, my number four is Carrie. That's my number four, a classic Never film. Seen you the wow. whole oh, that's a list oh. of shame. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. The the uh, themes in it are amazing. Like the, the you know she's the outcast of school. She's kind of bullied, picked on. Goes home and it is a hundred times worse than she ever has it at school. Mm-hmm. Her mom is a complete psycho, and uh, it just the the whole kind of overtly religious uh, theme. You know, with her mom. And uh, the, just, yeah, it, it all come into that conclusion at the end where she's just had enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just great. It's a really, really good movie. Sissy Spacek is, you know, she's amazing in it. And she really, you feel for her. You really, really feel for and her. Because her mom is so terrible, Piper exactly. Laurie, that it, yeah. it, it, it she is, sets yeah, that all up. She is like the worst screen mom ever, <laughs> ever. And it's just awful. That's I her mean, first Mom, King. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, it's one of the very, best. yeah, definitely one of the yeah. best. It's, it's definitely worth watching. Really, really. And it, I also think it does stand the test of time. But well. is it better than The Rage, Carrie 2? Because I've seen that movie. Well, well, the good thing is, again, with this with these movies, it's not the, it's, there's not really any effects in it so much. You know, you get the flying knives and the blood and everything. Mm-hmm. But it, it's the themes that make it watchable now, right. that make it stand up to the test of time. It has the greatest American hero and Danny Zuko in it. It does, <laughs> yeah. yeah. John Travolta the, the, is a horrible man in this movie. The, the wonderful <laughs> one, setup. One more time. One more time, Oh, my God. <laughs> Very nice. When uh, – is this a spoiler warning? This is the spoiler <laughs> heavy. Oh, yeah. yeah, but let's not go there again. We're good. Uh, We're good okay. That you think that she's finally fitting in. Yeah. That she has a date yeah. to the prom and it's all yep, going to go so sell. well. Yeah, it's all just a big sell. Bobby's like, it doesn't go well? <laughs> <laughs> what? what? Yeah. Tell me more, Bobby. <laughs> yeah. 
Everybody and also, the end of that movie. And also, yeah. what the very end of that movie spawned a hundred other movies. You know, the end at the end of that. I mean, yeah, I mean, Jason jumping out of the lake at the end of Friday the Thirteenth. Killer comes, always comes back. Yeah, yeah, of course, that comes from Carrie. Yeah, the Jason ending was based off yeah. the Carrie. Absolutely, ending. the hand coming up from the grave at the end is yeah. So yeah, it, it just a, a classic horror movie. Love to see the, have seen the musical version that played for a week. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was expecting RG Row. Oh, I saw it. <laughs> was it Betty Buckley as the mom instead of the gym teacher? Was that I think how it I played only itself heard out? It was a musical, and I was like, I would see just it. just agree with him. <laughs> yes, Bob. <laughs> that does happen a lot. Yeah. So, Bob, you're number four. Uh, the Exorcist from 1973. Yeah. Um, now back out on Blu-ray, restored in documentaries and all this other sort of stuff for Which people I want to revisit. Movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is just still one of the scariest things ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, it's that same sort of juxtaposition of the innocence of a little girl yeah. who not minding her own business and it just turns into this hideous, heinous yeah. thing Every, laying on the bed. Everything that's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It just yeah. everything about it feels wrong and just yeah, it's the thing. It just makes you uncomfortable. It's not even that it's scary so much. It's just that horrible, uncomfortable. It shouldn't be happening. You shouldn't be seeing this. You're that's not right. Yes. Yeah. It's, it, that's what it is. It's not. It's not about the boo moments. It's not about the gore. It's just that not about horrible, pea soup at all. Yeah. It's horribly yeah. uncomfortable. Mm. Brian, your number three. My number three is a movie that Bobby doesn't love. But it's Uh-oh. The Exorcist Three. Oh God! I'm really? <laughs> so ridiculous! This movie. It's not ridiculous. You're so ridiculous! <laughs> this, movie. this is top five. Uh, you, you Exorcist Three, huh? All right. This movie is. This movie is the. It, it, it is the most terrifying movie I've ever seen. It's not my number one, but wow. it, 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 I'm 26 years old. About four years ago or so, two of my this friends and I, I, I had seen it. They hadn't. Ian and Claudio, they come over, watch it with me. Claudio makes us walk him to his car to check his car before he drives home. Ian, Ian stays over because he won't drive home. The, the, the movie has – it's a bloodless movie. That says a lot more about you three than the movie. <laughs> High five. High five off. That was, that was, that was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> the, mo- the movie is – uh, bloodless. It's a, like you were saying earlier, very psychological. Um, but there's also just imagery in it that te- that terrifies me. There's, there's one of the scariest shots in movie history is is in this is in this film in my in my opinion, which you have said is okay to have my opinion. <laughs> um, it, it, it's a direct sequel to The Exorcist. It takes place 30 years later where Kinderman and Dyer are friends who go to the movies every year. And All right, excuse my ignorance, so just quick, Exorcist 2. What no. was that? The Heretic. The Heretic, directed <laughs> okay, by John wasn't a, Richard so Burton So number going, three takes over, well, like well, takes, well, it's supposed well, to be a place nev- number one. I've never one. seen two. Um, but the, that it, it, when the Blair is in it, playing okay. Regan. Yeah. And I don't know what happens. I, oh, nothing okay. of, nothing but of three is supposed to follow yeah, three on. Three is one. written written by William Peter Blatty, who wrote the original novel yeah. and wrote the screenplay for The Exorcist. And it was a book called Legion. This actually we talked about this last week right. on the show. Uh, and he wrote and directed the film. And the 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 book he wrote takes place thirty years later. And there's no Exorcist. There's no. Right. R- r- oh yeah, we had this conversation right. about yeah. is it a sequel? Is it not a sequel? Exactly. Yeah. Um, but. It's his story of the same right. ca- of, of of some of the same characters uh, from the first film. 
and George C. Scott plays uh, Kinderman, and I think and, and he's I think he's great. I really do. And Bobby, for whatever reason, thinks I'm ridiculous <laughs> for this. I mean, when, when when did you see the movie? You see, you've seen it once, right? Well, this is what happened. I'll I'll, I'll paint you a, a picture. Right? Please. <laughs> First of all, I, I think that. I think the experience you're talking about watching the movie sounds great. Like, I, I and I can understand why why you you love that. It's part of, part of it is you love the experience so much. You and your two friends saw this movie and you were so scared. You had like you had a great you, know, you had a great time together, mm-hmm. and that feeds itself back in the movie and from the movie. It's it's it's, it's like a give and take. Kind sure, of, especially with horror. It's a lot. That's what happens a lot with horror movies. Mm-hmm. It's kind of give and take situation. Now, this was probably it's probably a couple months. Maybe six months after you guys had this night, mm-hmm. I was with our my, uh, with Ian. I think I don't even think you were there. Oh, and he made you do it. He, he was like, "Oh, we gotta watch Exorcist." I think it was Ian and Claudia. We're like, "We gotta watch Exorcist <laughs> 3. It's so scary. Oh my god, you're not gonna be able to go home." And we watch it, and like, and there were don't worry, there were a couple scary moments, and I I don't I don't think it's a bad movie, but like. I was like, really? I was like, this is the oh. thing is the scariest movie. You like had, you'd had a lot of build up to it at that point. Well, I'm well, sure. Right, but before I saw The Exorcist, people were like, "Oh, you're gonna shit your pants," and I saw it and I shat my pants. So I'm, okay. you, know, you know, it's not like it's like. Well, also, it wasn't that uh, that was Inception the first night that he, that we all watched it. I had seen it many times previous, and I was trying to introduce it to them. So, right. so I had an experience myself. No, no, I'm not saying it's only that experience. Okay. I'm just, but I'm, but I'm saying for me, like I saw it and I was like, okay, it's good. Like I, like I, I guess, but like I didn't like the whole like, hey, I take my wife, please, between like George C. Scott and the other guy. Like it was just very like, I, it, it just it felt like two different movies to me, sandwiched into one movie. I think Dorif is very good. Brad Dorif is in it, and he's very good. But it just to me, like it would not even come close to anywhere near like. Right. I just wasn't even particularly scared. All right, so. RJ, you're number three, correct? We're number three? Number yes. three. Actually, we came around to it already. It is John Carpenter's The Thing. <laughs> All right. Yes. Oh, wow. Um, Some crossover. I really like that movie a lot. I think just the, the story combined with the special effects, just like it has everything I like in horror movies. Cool. And it is kind of sci-fi, but yeah, I look at it as a horror movie. It's just mm-hmm. so gory. And right. just the fact that like, you know, anybody could be the monster, you know, right. it could be, you know, the guy right next to you. It's got that um, like invasion of the body snatchers feel. So. Yeah. The, yeah. Pure yeah. paranoia. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Now, and just I, the just, setting like stuck in the middle of nowhere. You can't leave. You're cold. Yeah. As you're talking, you guys are talking about Frozen. You're sitting there in this camp. The wind swirling and holy mackerel! Yeah, I, I feel what they're I feeling. I love the ending; like it leaves it open. You don't know if Brilliant. if the guy's infected or not. Yeah. That prequel's coming down the coming yeah. down the road real soon. <laughs> Quick special effects story about that movie, though. People may know it. The scene just before the head crawls away, they're putting CPR on this fella. Uh, spoilers: Here we go again. His chest opens up into this giant maw. Yeah. And a fellow sticks his hands into this and gets his arms ripped off. Oh, I've heard this. This is a fantastic story. <laughs> what? Th- they made a mask of Richard Dysart, the actor, put it on someone who had no arms, and made gelatin arms. They had him stick gelatin arms into this machinery, and they ripped his fake arms off. Oh, wow. That's fantastic, right? That's, that's really an effect. Is. That shows yeah. what you can do without CGI. Yes. You know? But when that moment happens... I go, oh! <laughs> <laughs> which is the intended effect. Yes. Yeah. All right. So my number three is the descent. Uh, Actually, can I just stop you right there? Yeah. My number three is also the descent, nice. so we can cover them yes. by yeah. the one go. Right, nice. <laughs> so uh, the descent, which two thousand and four. 
2005. Neil Marshall directed Dog Soldiers. Uh, it's a story of a couple of cave diving women who go down and uh, it's first of all 45 minutes of terror to deal with the cave diving yes. going wrong mm-hmm. and then another 45 minutes of terror to deal with these monsters <laughs> yeah. where they find down in the caves. And that's what I, I find so um, beguiling about it is yeah. that it, 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 it works on its own as just a movie without any monster is that that's that yeah we've covered this before that's the thing that terrified me about it is it's the claustrophobia is that that thing you can relate to you go down into a cave system and the scenes the way they shoot it is amazing but the the scenes where they're they're crawling through and they can barely fit and and that gets you and then all of a sudden holy cow there's also freaky monsters down there (laughs) you know and And i'm so sorry brian and i saw the movie together and we were almost holding each other at some point. <laughs> like we, were, we were so scared, and it's like yeah. a ro- the movie's like a roller coaster, and you know, I, and that was five years ago. Yeah. So like a, a grown up person just Absolutely. terrified, and it comes back movie. to like we were saying about um, uh, with Twenty Eight Days Later. You know, there is also the aspect to it as to who is the monster. Right. Who, you know, yeah. th- there's characters in it that are also just as horrifying as what they're facing. Yeah. And it's got that. Um that same theme where it's not at the end it's not the monsters it's the humans like, yeah. yeah the girls yeah, exactly yeah, the yeah. girls yeah. yeah the girls are the pro- yeah. yeah and I think it has like the most it has like she's like Ripley to me like that's how that's oh, how definitely. bad yes. she is absolutely it definitely is. ends that, that scene where it ends you definitely definitely now, the American ending Ripley. or the original ending I like the one where she's still in there I agree yeah that's yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and it kind of pans out from her right birthday cake, yeah. Birthday cake. yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, it's just it's just such a great movie with a, yeah. a ton of great I scares. That alone in the dark, going to sleep <laughs> the first time, and yeah, I was yep. laying there like anxious the whole movie. Just like yep. I felt like I was in that cave. Me yeah. too. Like I said, I'm not. Yeah, I'm kind of a coward when it comes to horror movies. But yeah, there, there's there's only a, a few that actually do make me terrified in my own house, and that was one of them. I was horribly scared about everything after watching that movie. I built this movie up for, to no end to my our, our friend Brad. And Brian and I friend Brad, and like, he finally watched it maybe like two a year and a half ago. Yeah, he called me right after. He's like, "That was terrifying." He was like, <laughs> "It was unreasonably terrifying." Which is yeah. the word that we continually yeah. use yeah. to exactly. describe it. Yeah. yeah, it really is because it plays on your base fears, but then it also brings in the freaky monsters, right. and it, it just it covers both bases. And that first reveal with the night vision camera, oh god, is so oh, scary! Oh, it's it so horrible. Scary. Like, it was if I'm those horrible. girls, I'm like, "You've got to be fucking <laughs> yeah, kidding me!" Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, that's what you do. You know, at what point do you think, holy? F- I'm just screwed. I'm yeah, just gonna, yeah. I'm gonna crawl up in a ball and cry until something eats me. You know, it's it, it's apps. Yeah, it's terrifying. And what, I, I love horror movies with active participants. Like they're yes. not laying down and letting themselves no, be killed. Not one of those girls. They are trying to fight. They're trying to escape. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not letting things happen to them. And that's one of the things I like most. And also, funny enough, they're trying to escape from the first ten minutes of the movie. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. Like, but they don't know what they're escaping from. Yeah. At first, they're just trying to get. Out the damn cave. Yeah. And, it's you know. just well written characters. You feel Absolutely. for all of them. You know what everyone's yeah. story is. It's very terse, concise yeah. writing. Just really put together. And again, well. I always like hark back to this, but same thing. No big name actors. No. There are no, no right. but you're not distracted by, oh, look, there's Nicole Kidman mm. climbing down a cliff. It's oh, not that. be the new remake. Exactly. There's no big name <laughs> actors in it. So all you, f- you, you completely buy these characters. Yeah. Now, please avoid the sequel. Oh, the sequel <laughs> is awful. <laughs> yeah, that's to the us. Oh. When they fall into like their toilet pool, yeah, and it's just like all they're like, "What is this?" And they look up, and also like a guy's got to crawl over and take a dump. 
Ugh, to be really? like, oh, okay. it's like yeah. cheap kind of shots and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that's the film editor from the first one now oh, directing. Okay. Right. Right. Terrible, terrible. Editors. <laughs> All right, well, that, uh, that covered your number three yeah. and my number three. So, Bob, so my number three has been covered. It was Halloween, so we moved oh, to Brian's okay. number right. two. No, we don't. My number two is The Descent. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, shitty, 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 shitty. <laughs> we're, mo- we're moving through the time, though. We're getting, we are, we're getting yes. together here. RJ, see you. RJ, is that ready? RJ doesn't know. So The Descent is a 2005. Right. <laughs> my number two is Halloween. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's back to my uh, favorite holiday. <laughs> so, uh, All right, so my moving number two, around, huh? yep. yeah. My number two is The Ring. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. And... You know, I feel like it's split down the middle. I get some people get a lot of flack from it for, and some people are like, "Oh yeah, completely." Uh, much like the Descent, and they're very close for me. Like, the American or the Japanese? The, the, the American. I've never okay. seen the Japanese. Um, the American, like the the, the 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 Ring, scared the living shit out of me when I saw it. Like it scared the living shit out of me. <laughs> First of all, it is an it's an excellent mystery movie for one thing. Her whole journey from t- trying to figure out what's going on. It, 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 I think it's very good. It's got a very it's it's got a great reasoning behind it because she's trying to save her child and and save herself, yeah. which are both e- excellent motivators. Mm-hmm. I think the acting across the board yeah. is, is really good. Naomi and again, Watts. that classic like suspense, not relying on the shock value and the boo moments, and it, it's just because I mean, that's the only criticism I've ever had of it. Is it you know it is like ninety five percent suspense, mm-hmm. but when you get that moment. It's just like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> you know, you're not actually expecting it. Right. You're not, you're really not actually, because there's been so much suspense and so much build up, you don't actually expect it to happen when it does happen. Right. And that movie's PG 13. Right. That's a PG 13 mm. horror movie. Don't, it doesn't need to be anything more than a PG 13 horror movie. Um, the video itself is horrifying. That video is the mo- one of the most unsettling things I've ever seen on screen. And the, the, the day. I had some ads for The Ring before it came out. I was in college when it came out. And I was like, okay, this is going to be stupid. Like, it's going to be, like, it's some, like, run-of-the-mill, like, oh, you know, stupid horror movie that's going to come out and I'm not going to like it. And then they ran one, they ran a promo one time, which I, I, it just showed the video. It just it showed the video and then it, went, and it, it just said, like, the date. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it went away and I was like, that is, it's really scary. Yeah. I, I also love the way the script is done because I love the way they play the things that the little girl says in the interviews off each other and w- once you have all the information one thing that she says means something completely different because they ask her you know she goes is your, you don't want to hurt people and she goes but I do and at the beginning it seems no. like she's saying but yeah but I'm hurting them yeah. anyway and when you hear it the second time it's but I do want to hurt them <laughs> yeah you know and that, and that moment at the end where like she tells her son that she let her out of the well and the look of <laughs> horror on her son's face yeah which is like you know you know, like she never sleeps like you know the, this whole thing like that moment is like oh my god because you, you think it's okay it's ending uh, it's ending well right and then it's just this like and then it just it's just hor- it's a horrible ending for for all those people yeah um the sequel is one of the worst movies i've ever seen in my entire <laughs> okay. life it's absolutely atrocious but if you haven't seen the, the american ring like you need to see no, it i've only seen the japanese see, one and pass so i will definitely on your recommendation see the american take a run. Ring. um so that's my number my, my number two Okay. My had, num- had you seen it, Jack? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My uh, number two is actually very, very, very recent. And I'm sure you can probably guess what it is, but it's Let Me In. 
which uh, I, I actually didn't bring this up the last time we talked about this movie, but we talked about it when it came out. But to me, it felt like watching The Exorcist or The Omen for the very first time. When I was sitting in that theatre, it really felt like I was watching a classic horror movie and I got to see it in the movie theatre. The acting yeah. is fantastic. Absolutely. The use of, of gore when it does happen is completely appropriate. The motivations, all the characters are kind of cloudy, but it leaves enough for you to figure out. I mean, I definitely have to give like an honorary mention to let the right one in. That you know, I saw the Swedish one, I think is really good. But again, me and Bobby agreed with this, that I think if you haven't seen the Swedish one, you don't really need to because the American mm. one is very, very good. Um, but yet that... You know, even even it, with it being that most uh, really really recent film, it's definitely my number two of all time. Terrified me, moved me, excited me. It, it was just fantastic. Very nice. Good call, Bob. Uh, number two from 1968, The Night of the Living Dead, the original George Romero, where everything spawns from. Um, I saw this as a second feature in a drive-in in 1970 when it was making the rounds. No one had really seen it in New York. It was a sort of a regional thing. And it was the second feature to something called Willard, the original Willard, the rat movie. Right. And I'm sitting, I'm 12 years old, 14, whatever it was at that point, actually, in the backseat of the car, watching Night of the Living Dead. And my father's sitting in the front. And as the movie ended is, well, first he cursed a lot about why they shot Dwayne Jones and what's going on here. We went back the next week because it was now the A feature. It's the first thing I ever saw my father pay to see twice. (laughs) It is just a brilliant social commentary. It's a great use of no funds and library music and misdirection. Gory to a point for then. Now it's sort of nothing. But the whole semi-documentary style, you're living this with these people as it's happening. And it's been copied a million times, never quite as well, including by Romero himself, as it was that first time. Just off the charts for me. I saw that at a... Landmark Sunshine. They, they have those midnight movies where they do old movies mm-hmm. midnight on weekends, and I saw that like a print of that at Landmark Sunshine. It was it was great. It was a really fun experience. Have you seen it, Jack? No, I haven't actually. I haven't seen any of those. Wall of Shame. Yes, absolutely. Brian's not seen any of them either, right? Correct. Oh, <laughs> so how are you calling out somebody else? <laughs> Brian hasn't seen any of the dead movies. movies. Any of the dead movies? No. Oh, Brian, you talking about Exorcist Three? <laughs> oh. Yeah. High five to RJ. Boom. Way to go. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I mean, I haven't seen Exorcist 3, but you haven't seen any of those dead movies? That's almost as bad as when Bobby didn't see Creepshow. It's not even close to as bad as when Bobby didn't see Creepshow. No, it's worse than when I didn't see Creepshow. It's not even as bad. Yeah, yours is his is worse, right? Right. Yes. Brian, you're definitely worse. Oh, I'm sorry. You understand what I'm saying? I do. I was saying it wrong. Yeah. It's absolutely more bad than when. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's that makes worse. a lot more and sense. And it's getting yeah. worse as we go it down the, the grammar yeah. highway here. Yeah. <laughs> the grammar? Wrong turn yeah. on the grammar highway. <laughs> <laughs> no, it can't be the name of the podcast. <laughs> all right, so we're coming around to number one. Oh, now, right? Brian's number one. My number one is Psycho. Okay. Which. T- typical. <laughs> which, we, we, yeah, right. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's easy, but at the same time. You know the shower scene is is amazing, and it does freak me out to watch it. But the the shot that, that kills me is Martin Balsam walking up the stairs, Mr. Arbogast, and 
you're like, oh my god, she's gonna come out the door. She's gonna come out the door, <laughs> and she comes out the other door. Yeah. Not the door you think it's going to be, and it's it's like. <gasps> Look, man! Look! <laughs> and then falls down the stairs in a very awkward fashion. But, like, th- that movie is very... <laughs> Bob- Bobby's doing it right now. You can't see it, but he's, he's doing it very well. Um, that movie is very unsettling, and uh, Perkins is fantastic. You know, obviously redefines horror. You know, it's the beginning of you know, the slasher movie. <laughs> We've been saying that about right. five different <laughs> yeah. movies, but that's, re- that's really the beginning. And... It you know, obviously holds up over over time very well. I watch it, like you said, with Halloween. I probably watch Psycho about once a year. Well, what always gets me about that film is the is the reveal when he spins the chair around. Mm-hmm. But that scene, that scene, oh, that scene always like scared the shit yeah. out of me when I, when I was younger. Really, really, always really, really got me. Yeah, poor Vera Miles. Yeah. <laughs> now it's number one on my list, so we'll we'll give that oh, away okay. now. Okay. Uh, now I want to ask around the table: Who saw this without knowing Norman Bates? Is his own mother, so right. to speak. All right, Did everyone I, I, know have to, of- I have to say this: this is on my wall of shame. But the cat is kind of out the bag at this well, point. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, she knew already. Okay. I mean, who doesn't know that? Already- right. I, I didn't know when I saw it. Well, how old were you when you saw it? Twelve. <laughs> That's different. Okay, like, that's, I'm just, yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. She's I'm an not adult woman. Yeah. She knows it by this point. <laughs> I've seen the Simpsons version of it. Yeah, yeah. that's good enough. But <laughs> when I saw it, I didn't know. When I, I was the same age when I saw it for the first time, I didn't. I didn't know no, when I saw no, it. No, I didn't either. It was the first re-release of it theatrically in '69, and. There were magazines. There wasn't the internet, but no one had really given it up. But you knew about Marion Crane. Well, yeah. I mean, yes. Right. I know the, the woman who dies in the shower is being. But to me, like seeing seeing Janet Lee, I wasn't like this famous person just died. Yeah, I was like, this girl yeah. just died. Like it wasn't to me. Right. It wasn't like of course. It wasn't like oh, this big starlet's in this movie and then she's dead. Like that wasn't. I didn't have. I didn't have that yeah. same like feeling. I don't know how many people know this story, but it changed the way people went to the movies because Hitchcock had this problem. He had a star. Who, if you it used to be, there's an expression. This is where I came in. If if you wanted to go to the movies, you just went to the movies. If you showed up at eight thirty, but it started at eight o'clock, you stayed until back around again. You got to the movie you were seeing. He made the point: you can't have that to the theater owners. Otherwise, you come into the middle, and Marion Crane's dead. Yeah. So he he actually had people herded in the lobby. It's an eight o'clock show. You have to be here by ten of eight, and we'll let you in. And he shut and he shut the theaters down. Shut the theaters down, so right. you couldn't sneak in. You couldn't get in around what was going on. Right. Because oh, it's you 10 wanted, after eight, we missed the trailers. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you, you, he wanted that mystery there. Yeah, yeah this was a movie. The movie well, in, in its entirety. Well, the movie is about Marion Crane stealing money from her boss. It's yeah. not yeah. about Norman Bates. And again, I saw it. I got dropped off at the theater as a thirteen-year-old, not knowing what was going on. <laughs> and my parents were walking off into the mall. We saw this already. You, you should go see this. Which, I don't know, maybe it says a lot about them or not a lot about them. I'm not sure. And the, the one scene that always really gets me is he comes in to clean up the mess in the bathroom. And you feel for Norman Bates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When the car isn't going down into the swamp, it's, <gasps> you catch your breath. He's, he's not going to get away with this. And all he's trying to do is help his poor mom. He, he didn't do anything. Right. And then when it does get revealed, Aish. It's just yeah. a killer. It's a blow to the solar plexus. Absolutely. Amazing film. Absolutely. RJ, you're number one. We also came around to this, but it's The Exorcist. And oh, it's also my number one. Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, I tried not to. You know, I tried to you know, switch it up, but it's just, I don't know. It's always been my favorite. I saw it when I was you know, really young, and it's just always scared the crap out of me. Mm. You know, And even like 
today I'm, I'd still be afraid to watch it, you know, but I would anyway. Right. Yes. <laughs> I mean, for me, it's funny. Like for me, I didn't see it when I was really young. I didn't see it till they released it 10 years ago in the th- theaters again. The version you've never seen. Mm. It's the first time I ever saw it. And I'd always right. heard everything about it. It's, you know, it's so scary. You yeah. Know, when you you're know. at school, it's like the film you shouldn't yeah. see. Yeah. Yeah. It's so terrifying. <laughs> and yeah. so and I went into it like, okay, I'm, you know, however, however old I was, 10 to 17. And, you know, okay, I'm looking forward to seeing this movie. It's supposed to be great. What I always say about The Exorcist is it's the only movie I watch where when I'm sitting watching it, I feel unsafe. Like, I don't feel (laughs) safe when I'm watching it. I I feel at all times like I'm in trouble watching that film. And (laughs) that's one of the things I love so much about it. It, it There's actually similar scenes in both my my top two movies, in The Ring and in The Exorcist. There are little itty-bitty moments. There's a moment in The Ring where she's talking about... Um, when she found her daughter, and they show the it's like it's a quick insert of her opening a closet door, and they they see you see the face yeah. of the girl after she's been you know killed by the Samara the the, the girl, and her face it's contorted and yeah. she's like in this, it, yeah. it's like contorted in the scream, and it's this quick like couple frames, yeah. and it's just it, it just fills you yep. with terror. Yeah, and the same thing happens in The Exorcist when she turns. I don't, I don't even know if it's in the original cut or not, but she she turns off the light in the kitchen and you see the flash of the yeah, the demon know. face. That right. Yeah. Is that no. in the original? No. It's not, right? Well, I mean, I saw it on TV for the first time well before 2000, and it was there. So uh, we, we, I'm, I'm thinking of like – maybe I'm thinking of a different thing, but the, the, I know what you're talking about, the, the demon face flash. There's, yeah, it happens there, a few times. There's like, there like, there like wa- walking on the street. Right, the, yeah. Right, yeah. and then there, there's a flash there. I mean, that's the one I remember. No, they're seeing the kitchen. kitchen like, yeah, she's in the kitchen, in the and she turns off the light, and you just see like the, the face, and it, it's very, it's very brief, but it's long enough where you know it's happened, and that's one of those moments. Just like in that ring, that just like it was just, just like my heart, like, <laughs> yeah. um, like, got, like, like got cold, you know, at, at that <laughs> moment. Uh, I, but there's so. Oh, go ahead. I went to see it in the theater too when it, they re-released yeah. it, and like for me, that one scene they added in where she's like. Crab walking down the stairs. <laughs> that scene scared me as much as is, the first time yeah. I saw the yeah. movie. That you is know? really yeah. freaky. Yeah, definitely. Because it's again, it's that kind of unnatural, uncomfortable. Yeah. That shouldn't be. That's not right. Just, There's something you, that's not, you're not right. Expecting it because yeah. you know it's new to the movie and it just yeah. freaks you out so much. Yeah, freaks you out. <laughs> but to me, what kind of grounds it is the mom. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. there's just all this happening around this regular person, yeah. and it just gets worse and worse and spirals that's like, out of yeah, control. That's, and that's what I was saying earlier. I think you definitely like have a different take on it if you're a parent. All these kind of movies where there's children involved, definitely if you're a parent, you have a whole different view on it. Like if that was your child, it was happening to. So you never feed Luke pea soup, I'm assuming. No, no, no. he and doesn't have projectile it, vomiting. <laughs> <in this. laughs> and it builds as well. It builds very slowly. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. It doesn't. Doesn't yeah. jump to scares. Yeah, yeah. You, you you have to sit through that long. That, that scene where he's in you know East Africa yeah. or whatever yeah. Yeah. but it's definitely um, like too many modern horror films rely on the boo go yeah, yeah I hate the jump loud, scare quiet yeah. music quiet yeah. music loud it's music it's a real loud yeah. noise it's of course cheap. you're gonna jump it's, yeah. it's a cheap trick yeah. and they're only yeah. scary once and that's the thing about jump exactly. scares they're only scary once because you know it's coming the second yeah. time yeah. 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 and the yeah. exorcist it just, and, it, and I'm, not a, I'm not a very religious person at all but I still grew up with, with going to church every Sunday, having to go to Catholic school, right. all you know, ca- you know, you know, like and um, not Catholic school, like you know, like high right. school, but Catholic school, like you know, like on Sundays, you know, before church. Yeah. And so I knew, like, it's partly ingrained in you, like when you're growing up, and that stuff is very scary. Like that, you know, you're taught to fear the devil when you're when you're when you're a child, and to really show a, a kid who you know mm. becoming this horrible thing, this perfectly innocent little girl who never did anything to anyone. Yeah. And that's one of the things that's so scary about it. 
So yeah, I mean that movie has always made me, you know, feel like, feel just terrified. So that's yeah. had been number one. Yeah. I also didn't want to put it. I wanted to be like, this is my Exorcist <laughs> Memorial top five <laughs> horror movie list. You know, just not include it because yeah. it's so obvious. But yeah, right. yeah. no, yeah. it's obvious because it's great. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's also a great movie above being a great horror movie. Oh, right. Freak so, was at the peak of his powers. So that, that yeah, just it made would still be high, It would yeah. still be high up in yes. any kind of list. Is yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah. All right, Jackie, you're number one. You get to go last. I, went, go last. I went on a completely different, completely different slide. What are the poop? Else. Uh, Daddy uh, daycare. <laughs> Exorcist two. <laughs> no, I went with Shaun of the Dead. Because that movie nice. I can watch over and over and over and over, and you can't classify it as purely a comedy. It's not. It's not pretty comedy. No, it's, no, not, it's not just a comedy. It is a horror film. There are yeah, limbs yeah. flying there. Yeah. But the, I mean, there's so many quotable moments with yeah. the freaking vinyl and the cricket bat and mm. the, you know, killing his stepfather and, mm. and it, just going just to the some, Winchester. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Cornetto and yeah. and the Pete, the flatmate. Mm. And there's just uh, just so many moments that were absolute pure classic comedy and horror mixed together. And yeah, definitely stands up to viewing like. 15 freaking times a year as far as I'm concerned well the best thing I heard the criticism of the movie that I heard which I totally agree with is it's a funny movie but it takes zombies very seriously. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There's nothing yeah. funny about what the zombies exactly. are doing. The yeah. zombies are doing oh, what zombie yeah. zombies do in every movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just the people are doing funny things exactly. around them. Yeah. But when it gets serious, it gets serious. Before they realize yeah. what is really going on. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, right. Again, it's a great satire on everyday life. The yes. fact that he does the same walk to work to the corner store <laughs> yeah. to go buy stuff. Some days there yeah. are zombies. Exactly. And yeah. Not. The very next day he does it and he doesn't even realize what's going on right. because he's so stuck in this rut. I, mean, yeah. I, I feel like I've said this before, but... When I saw the movie in the theater, and I didn't love it. Like I was expecting a, a comedy that was going to like, bowl me over, and I didn't get that. I was an idiot, and I was wrong, because <laughs> I love that movie right. m- yeah. so much now. It, but I remember going to see it and being disappointed I didn't get to laugh as much as I wanted to, right. but being so impressed with how much of a real zombie movie right. it was. Yeah, definitely. And, yeah. And I, I mean, I expected it to be you know, t- take, taking zombies for laughs yeah. and whatever, but like, at the end, I'm like, I'm really caring about these people. Yeah, And this is when I didn't even pod. love the movie. Yeah. Right. I was, but I was just impressed by it. It's yeah. not a spoof. That's the thing. Like people, no, no. people. Yeah, it's not people scary. Think movie movie seen the movie. They, they think yeah. it's, they think it's a it's spoof. A scary movie no. zombie. Yeah, they thing. think it's a yeah. spoof, and it's yeah. not. Well, it's like at all. it's like Dawn of the Dead, but they put his name in there. Get it? Yeah, it's not that at all. It's a standalone. Yeah, it's a complete standalone movie. It's not a spoof. It's it just takes the genre and does something completely different with it and possibly I, 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 it's probably I think the best one of the best scripts ever written yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. you know smart I, at so many levels yeah. yeah when they break into the bar the zombies are yeah. finally coming through and people <laughs> yeah. being pulled apart yeah. but yeah. there's still exactly. humor in it yeah. but it's right. still yeah. very scary yeah and and then you have your pathos moment in the basement. Yeah, he's going to give himself up, and of course he has to do one last yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly gas attack. Yeah. Let's yeah. leave it at that. Yeah, it's, it's just it, it, it. Every character is written and properly all the way through. No one yeah. leaps out of where they were before. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Really, really good movie. All right, yeah. so I think uh, good lists we, all, the all the way around. All the way around. I think so. So. Uh, we're running a little long, so we're going to move right into our Fanboy Film School, brought to you by... Mother's Movies. 38 South Ocean Avenue, Patchogue, New York. 631-447-0411. Very good. All right. So, our movie this week was assigned by Jackie, who was hiding her head in shame because she didn't watch the movie she assigned this week. It was <laughs> The Wicker Man uh, from 1973. Yep. Yes. Sorry. And Christopher Lee and Edward Woodward. 
who actually Can was, I say it? Because it's so much better when yeah, I say yeah. it. Edward Woodward. Yeah. Who was actually <laughs> in uh, Hot Fuzz. He is. So, yes, um, yeah. was another thematically He was also the equalizer, which is what I remember him uh, from. But everyone else is like, what? But Wicker Man <laughs> is kind of, it is tonally and kind of like themed wise, sort of similar <laughs> to Hot Fuzz in, 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 in some mm. ways. But, um, Jackie, why don't you talk about the movie? Because you assigned it and it was your. <laughs> All right, I started when I was 12 years old and haven't seen it since. But, uh, you know, it's a fun horror movie with a typical British ending, which is always good. Uh, but no, I'm just going to let you talk about it. Okay. <laughs> so the Wicker Man, uh, Bob, why don't you talk about it? Because I know you. Okay. What we have here, it's a police investigation about a, a missing young girl. And we. <laughs> there are notes being passed. <laughs> Leaf? Oh, I'm reading it upside down. It says fail. I'm I failed, sorry. yeah. Uh, uh, Leaf like the Viking. <laughs> yeah, okay. Go ahead, Bob. And it's this small island, and the real constabulary shows up, and the town is reticent. They're not looking to help him at all. And all he wants to do is do the right thing. And unfortunately, no one wants to help, and it gets worse and worse as what seems to be the mother of the young girl. What girl? We, we, we go down this road, mm-hmm. and I, we, I, people should see this. I don't want to spoil too much of this. Well, no, we won't talk too much about it. I mean, the, the ending, anyway, we won't talk about that much. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a decently famous ending, but um, we won't go into the specific of the ending. Um, just general thoughts about, about the movie. Brian. I, Bobby loves to say how I don't like movies that are weird. He doesn't. He hates movies that are weird. He gets very prickly when movies start so to So we're weird. saying this is a weird movie. It's, it, it, oh, come, Bob, it's it a pretty a damn weird movie. It's a, movie. <laughs> it's a weird movie. It's like a musical for it's the a, first 30 minutes. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's very... Yeah, yeah, People are singing for no reason, and, <laughs> and she's naked, and it's weird. Um, the director says it's a musical. But what I, have, what I have to say about it is that I care the whole way through about what has happened to this girl. I care about um, trying trying to figure out, and, and, I'm, and I'm perplexed as to why nobody. I, I want to know why they don't know why they're covering it up. Mm-hmm. You know, right? right yeah, yeah, but, of course. But I'm thinking more of like, well, who falsified this information? Mm-hmm. You know, who's given who's given this incorrect information, and we find out later that that's not the case. Right. But I care about that. But I, you know, the the character of uh, uh, Sar- Sergeant, Sergeant Howie. Howie, Howie, yeah. He, you know, I don't really care a lot about him. I mean, he's he's trying to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's upholding the law, but just like kind of like um, Nick Angel is in <laughs> Hot Fuzz. You know, he's a by the book dude who d- doesn't have really kind of abrasive about right. D- well, yeah. he doesn't have much personality to him at all. Mm-hmm. And you know, he comes to this island where everyone's kind of fun loving and they're they're weird with their pagan rituals and right. And and, and, and he's a devout Christian. And he's yeah. a, he's yeah. a devout throw Christian. That in. And from a Christian country, and doesn't understand why this is being allowed mm-hmm. under you know this the, the, their reign. But I don't really connect with him much. And and you know what winds up what what, what winds up happening at the end with his kind of uh, discovery and the the revelation that we that we that we see. I I care a little bit, but I don't care as much as I feel like I should. Right. With having been invested with this guy for, for the amount of time that I have been. Right. 
Um, I like the idea of it being a mystery, about him breaking down a mystery and and trying to figure out something, and there's twists and turns. All that is fine to me. I, I feel like filmmaking-wise, I feel like they divulge the weirdness of the island too quickly. I feel like, oh, okay. I, you know, I feel I feel like it's it's like automatic. Like it's it, you automatically think there's something wrong here. They kind of like throw him straight into exactly, it. Yeah. and yeah. it's not like he solely like discovers this is a weird place, and like because. There's a little bit of like a cat and mouse game going on with the, the head of the island played by Christopher mm-hmm. Lee, and um, there's sort of like a, it's kind of like a mousetrap kind of game going on, and I don't feel that mousetrap getting sprung at any point. No. I feel like it just right. kind of happens. Well, by the time you see him in the bar the first time, and they're all singing around, you already know that something's right, really weird. screwed up here. And he walks outside and everyone's having sex on the ground, yeah. and I'm like, okay, like, I mean... Shouldn't he like have to like discover this stuff? You know, not that they wouldn't do it in the open, but it just seems like filmmaking wise. And it's also the problem is it's also the movie's also. I mean, it's what 30, Seven. 37 years mm-hmm. ago. It's a little bit of a different time. Like the whole like I'm a Christian. This uh, this it was Christian. a lot more important. Back then. It, much yes. more important yeah. back then. So at this point, I'm like, well, I know it's weird. I mean, I would think it was yeah. weird too if I went there. Yeah. But this guy's like, you know, it's not quite as blasphemous anymore yeah. as it used to <laughs> exactly. be. Exactly. I mean, in England, like now, uh, Jedi is a officially recognized right. religion. <laughs> just because right. so many people pull it on the censors. Yeah. I, Paganism doesn't have the same kind of you know taboo to it. Yeah. As I mean, it did thirty-seven then. years is enough time that I can say that there is a conspiracy. Right. You know, I'm not giving anything away to no. say that. And I, like, like you were saying, like, being too easy, it would be great if there was a scene 25 minutes in the movie where someone says something that doesn't quite sit right with right. them. Yeah. Goes, right. What did you say? Yeah. You know, and, and it starts to put the pieces together. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's immediately like just – well, you said to me when we were watching. You said uh, he you – know, weird shit's going on. But he's reacting to it the right. way that at least he's somebody who's normal, like kind of normal in a really weird situation. Mm-hmm. So it's not like it's not like the movie's accepting that stuff is normal. Right? It's like there's a guy who's like, "This is really fucked up," you know, not in those words, mm-hmm. obviously, but yeah, uh, that I enjoyed. But I, I don't know. It just, I think the ending is very good, and it, it, it but, while, but the, while the ending is shot very well, and the idea of the ending is great, the way the ending is built to, I just don't. Like, right. I, I just don't I don't feel like I want I want to be going along with this mystery and it almost feels like he's just being ping ponged between between these different ideas the girl doesn't exist and then the girl's this and the girl's that and it's not right. like he's discovering any of this stuff he's just kind of getting like batted around played, you yeah. know yeah, right. yeah. Which, which is actually the case yeah, exactly. right but, yeah. but you don't want to you don't want to feel like right. that when exactly. you're watching the and movie and that's the thing with the, with the big ending the way it is right. you need to be like you know invested in it to yeah. a certain degree for it to mean anything and, and also w- once we discover the reveal at the end there's 15 minutes where nothing i mean we we watch it play out mm-hmm. right but there's no more like there's nothing there's nothing more to reveal there's nothing more for us to see mm-hmm. yeah. other than the thing that we already know that is impending right yeah, yeah. no I, I, I agree move along here nothing more to see <laughs> R- R- rj have you seen it no, unfortunately, I haven't seen The Wicker Man or the remake, but I... I think, I fortunately, you haven't with seen the remake. Movie, yeah. Oh, yeah, the only thing I know about this movie is uh, Nicolas Cage is terrible in the remake, <laughs> and there's some kind of viral video about him yelling something. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, you you yeah. haven't... You Again, did. we said this last yeah. week, too. Punching a woman? Uh, several, several women. Several women. <laughs> uh, Wicker Man best scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Put that up in YouTube. Yeah. It's about two minutes and ten seconds, and it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> It's pretty hilarious, but I mean, Bob, you want to say anything else about the? No, we're good to go. I'm, I'm a thumbs up still on it. I, I do I, like I, it. I, did, I didn't dislike it, 
but I just didn't love it. Like, oh, I probably would never yeah. watch it again, you know? And yeah. I was really, when I, when I put it in, I actually got myself really excited about watching it. Right. Because when I had started reading about it on kind of like a, a third, you know, third-hand level and stuff, I, I started getting pumped about it. But when I, when I watched it, I just did not, like, at the beginning, I liked it. When he shows up at the, I like that it just starts, like, that he shows up at the, the island and shows this picture of the girl and, you know, oh, she doesn't, I've never seen her before. Yeah. But he's not going to give up. He's going to keep going, and I like that. But it just it didn't it didn't hold yeah. up for me throughout the whole film. Okay. There's there's also that moment towards the end where he goes back. To this this the straight laced guy just again Nick Angel is cranberry juice. Right. The, but he he asks for whiskey. Right. And he shoots whiskey. You know. And we don't get any more of that kind of like downward spiral of the character. Right. You know that I feel like we should with what what's been going on with him. And also at the end it's. it's uh, it's slightly implausible that Christopher Lee's character knew exactly what Where, yeah. he was going to do. Like, it's a very specific <laughs> right. thing that he does at the end of the movie yes. to yeah. get to the place he gets to. And it's like, okay, you knew he was going to do exactly yeah. that thing. Yes. Come on. Like, that's I a little agree. bit ridiculous. That's a little bit ridiculous. But not as ridiculous as Nicolas Cage in a bear suit it's true. in the remake. <laughs> he said that uh, he said that Christopher Lee looks like uh, Steve Coogan in the, in, oh. the rem- in, in Wicker Man. And we watched the Wicker Man best scenes last night. You're like, you know, when he punches Kathy Bates... Yeah, that's Ellen Burstyn. Uh, oh. Ellen Burstyn? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Oh. Anyway. Anyway, so that's uh, our Fanboy Film School. But uh, Brian, coming out of the depths, coming out of the purgatory, coming out of detention, <laughs> gets to assign a film this week. And uh, what are you going to assign, Brian? Well, we got, uh, we'll be broadcasting next week. It will no longer be the Halloween season, but we'll be watching whatever we're watching before Halloween or on Halloween. Right. So I'm assigning Night of the Living Dead. All right. Which I've never seen and Jackie's never seen. I've never seen. And I can always watch again. So I understand you guys have now we've both seen it, but both love it. I had a couple other ideas I was going around with, but I don't want to wait another year to watch it. <laughs> you shouldn't. So that's, what, that's what's going to happen this we week. We can do a little Halloween uh, dead, dead-a-thon. We could do that. Yeah. Wow. I'm, I'm off on Halloween. There we go. So am I. Awesome. There, here we and go. It takes it off your wall of shame. Yeah. It's a big wall of shame. It's true. So um, that's it for our show for this week. But Brian, why don't you tell the folks at home where they can get in contact with us? Oh, um, I forgot one thing. I forgot to give a – we had a list. We had a, we had a, a user-submitted list oh, okay. of the top okay, five. Bring it on. Bring it on. Uh, but it's, it's relevant because it, it comes from Twitter. Okay. Um, at, uh, at Vince Termini, uh, T-E-R-M-I-N-I with an underscore in between there. His top five, he gave us number five. Which child's play, which is a little ridiculous. I Vince. almost got around to watching that. I did, I did Our almost get around to watching that today. To say, yeah, I have seen them all, and I liked them growing up, but rewatching them now, I don't know why I liked them. So we, we, we watched Child's Play last year, and it was horrible. Yeah. It was on my Netflix instant, because I was going to try and watch it before number, today. It's not very good. Number, number four is uh, Mulholland Drive. Number three, Alien. Which we were actually yeah. discussing off yeah. mic right. about the nature of horror versus sci-fi. Number two, the thing, the nineteen eighty-two. I said eighty-one earlier. That's I was, okay. I was wrong. And uh, his number one is the The Shining. Very nice. Oh, that was Good almost luck. in my top, but I didn't. Which is, yeah. I think it's interesting that none of us said it. Well, I didn't say it because it's like one of my top films of all time, but I definitely don't really mm. class it as outright horror. <laughs> that's what that you know. That's it's just yeah, I know. Bobby <laughs> was saying no, that but earlier, I understand. Yeah. Yeah, there's specifications here. Like it definitely is a horror movie, but yeah. like the thing is definitely a horror movie too, and I just don't put it. In, sure. I just don't yeah. put it in that list. I just want to go over before we actually get done. I had a couple ones that I didn't put on my list. I just want to talk about real quick. Um, so Nightmare on Elm Street was was really close to making yeah. my list because I love that film. Trick or Treat was actually really close to making my list. Um, Poltergeist, uh, Alien, uh, Evil Dead Two, 
the Blair Witch Project actually was very close to making my list because I love I love that movie. And actually, the 2004 Dawn of the Dead was very close to making my list oh, okay. because I absolutely adore that movie. Yeah, if I can also, I'd like to give some shout-outs <laughs> to uh, 2004 Dawn of the Dead. Okay, let's give it up. <laughs> I wanted to get a zombie movie in my list, but I, you know, I like all the dead movies, but I feel like that one... I could watch over and over more than any of the real dead movies. The original ones, yeah. Um, let's see. What else do we got here? Um, dead Alive, Peter Jackson. Nice. It's yeah. another big influential movie on me. Shaun of the Dead almost made my list. Hatchet and Behind the Mask, more recent movies that Leslie I think. Leslie Vernon? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I really like those. Yeah, those almost right. made it. You keep telling me about Behind the Mask. i got to yeah, watch it eventually. Cause you, you always, I just had one. I, I actually had two, but one of them is The Shining, and mm. the other one I actually really like Candyman. <laughs> It's fun. I like it. Bees! Bees. It's all about bees. My eyes! My eyes! A uh, couple extra. Drag Me to Hell. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Sam Raimi, anything with is... a talking goat in it, I'm yeah, good. Yeah. It's right there. Um, going way back, Island of Lost Souls. It's the original Island of Dr. Moreau with hmm. Charles Lawton. The Omen, which managed not to get mentioned here. Yeah. Still pretty creepy. And Dario Argento's Opera. Okay. Oh, yeah. The Mist. <laughs> I really like The Mist a lot. Like mist. mist was very close. Which to one? Me. Which one? Well, it's not the audiobook. No, I know. Remind me. Who's in it? Oh, okay. I think they're like... We, 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 Thomas Jane. Tom, Tom Jane. Tom, Tom Jane. Oh, God. I hated that movie so much. Yeah. I hated it. It bored the crap but out of me. Love the movie. Not thrilled with the ending. RJ, no Stephen King movies on your list. What's yeah, up with that? True. I just yeah. don't think the... I, I, he's my favorite writer. I've read all his books, but I just don't think they translate well into movies. Yeah, and I've The Shining was the only that. one that almost made it. Right, yeah. Yeah. And that's barely an adaptation yeah. of the Stephen King yeah, book. Yeah, exactly. The name and location. Well, yeah. <laughs> I think my favorite King adaptation I, is a horror movie by theme, but I don't know if yeah. it is. It's Dead Zone. Right, mine, mine too. Of what I've seen, but is it really a horror movie? Uh, of the it's horror not, movies, it's not, it's, it's not a horror. I movie. mean, obviously, his non-horror stuff is the is the best movie adaptation. Yeah. Stand by me, Shawshank, Green Mile are the best ones. It's just. Yeah. It seems like the horror movies. I mean, I think the Mist is great. I mean, but I think mm-hmm. obviously I don't think it's in the same league with like yeah. Shawshank and, and, and the Green Mile. So anyway, Twitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where you can reach us. You can get uh, at Fanboy Remix is our Twitter name. Uh, you can, we have individual Twitters as well at Bobby Shortle at Jackie Turner J A C Q U I and I'm at Brian Verderosa. You can reach Bob via email at rrr two four four two at yahoo.com. Except I did buy an iPhone this week, but it had this ugly application. It said I'm like this side of Quasimodo, so I threw it in the garbage. <laughs> you you actually made my heart flutter. <laughs> I was like, what? You wanna- <laughs> Wait, he goes from no phone yeah. to iPhone. It was almost like the end of Razor Lost Ark. My my. my <laughs> Um, com is where you put the show up every week you can also subscribe on iTunes that's the easiest way to get it uh, you can email us at fanboyremix at gmail.com and join in the Facebook group the, the Fanboy Remix podcast we'll send a message out as soon as the new show is up and uh, RJ RJ why don't you tell us a little bit about, about uh, your website and your uh your films, where can we find those? Well, uh, I work with two other guys, J.C. Tracy and Bernard Jackson. We uh, we do uh, we're Team Splash Productions, and we do short films and you know anything else along those lines. Uh, we love horror and comedy, and that's pr- mostly what we do. And uh, f- we do film races, and you know we do things for fun. We got uh, check us out on Facebook at TeamSplashProductions.com, which is kind of under construction, but do it anyway. You got uh, Vimeo or anything, right? Yeah, check us out on Vimeo, YouTube, you know, anywhere where there's videos. 
Google us, in, <laughs> if you've heard of that, the Google. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, you, you, by the way, JC Tracy um, did the, does the music for our show, so he did the, our theme. So that's he's a, good, he's a good guy. You mentioned film race. What is that? They're what they call marathon races, and we pretty much you, teams get assigned uh, either like a theme or uh, a genre and maybe a character or a prop, and you get like a weekend to make a four-minute short film or something like that. So you have to write it, shoot it, edit it all in a weekend, and then you send it in. They screen it. You know, big contest wow. thing. It's a lot of fun, and we we did like four of them last year and three the year before that. We took a break this year, but we'll be back strong next year. <laughs> All right, so that's Team Splash, um, and that's our show for this week. Um, we're at over two hours, so I think we should probably uh, should <laughs> it's probably a wrap disc set. We should probably wrap this up. So, special guest RJ, say goodbye. Goodbye, everybody, and thanks a lot for having me. It was a blast. <laughs> <laughs> so, for Brian Verderosa, bye. <laughs> Bob Ryer, bye. Jackie Turner, ta-ta. I've been Bobby Shortle. <laughs> Have a great week, everybody. here for Talking Comics, and we are out at, was it the Gary's? Yeah. The Gary's in, uh, on 9th Avenue, outside of New York City Comic Con 2014, and I am fortunate enough and honored to be sitting here with J.P. Ahonen. He is the creator, author, and artist, uh, collaborative efforts being made of uh, Sing No Evil, a graphic novel from Abrams Comic Arts. How are you doing? I'm good. That's good. I'm glad. <laughs> so, all right, we're not going to pussyfoot. We're just going to get right into it. Tell me, what is what is Sing No Evil for people that don't know what it's about, and where did the inspiration for it come from? Okay, uh, Sing No Evil is a coming-of-age story about a metal band that discovers that music is a sort of uh, magic. And... Uh, Obviously, uh, it derived from uh, my and my co-writer, K.P. Alares, uh, uh, joint history with uh, sharing the same taste in music and comics and uh, growing up together. So, it's uh, the whole book is sort of like this uh, love letter to the old uh, 16 to 18 year old versions of ourselves. It's, it's in a way the kind of comic we would have wanted to uh, read ourselves when growing up. That's awesome, man. So tell me, uh, where did uh, where did the inspiration for the characters come from? Because you've got a it's a band, so you've yep. got all these different personalities. Um, maybe we'll just we'll go through the character list really quick. You have Axel, Lily, and how do you pronounce? Is is it? It's uh, Gervinen, but we can call him Kervinen. <laughs> so, okay, so yeah. I butchered that when I talked about it on <laughs> yeah. the podcast. All right. No, no, no. You said it perfectly. So. And we have Bear yeah. and Aiden. Yep. 
So, what was, like, who, were these characters based off of any, like, one personality or maybe somebody in the music industry or friends of yours at any point? Uh, yeah, well, um, I had a different cast in mind, and KP uh, provided me with his own version, and we sort of, like, mixed, uh, picked the best characters out of uh, <laughs> our, our two uh like combinations and uh, Axel is of course the sort of generic uh, guitar hero of any the band like obviously he, he reminds uh, people of uh, Kurt Cobain or Axel Rose or uh, there's a bit of uh, Michael Okerfeld as well from Opeth Mm -hmm. That uh, I think his outlook at the time was the main inspiration that we wanted there to be this uh, clear uh, reference to to that band and uh, and yeah uh, actually Lily was the hardest to settle upon because uh, I really uh, well both of us wanted there to be a girl in the band we needed it for the sake of the story, but it was really hard to pinpoint whether she should be like this, a bit more hippie or a bit more punkish or, or what she is. And uh, she turned out to be this sort of like uh, post-rock uh, boy girl <laughs> who studies like design. and. Uh, I think that plays out well, and uh, and yeah, in book two we'll venture more into her past. But uh, yeah, Kervinen uh, was completely KP's idea. Like I, I had a completely different character in mind, but as soon as he said that, yeah, we need this old guy who's just being called by his uh, surname, I was like, yeah, that is cool, <laughs> and, and that like provides us with so much. Uh, so many elements and uh, stories in itself. Nice. Yeah. Now, tell me, what is the what is the history of the band? How did these How did these five? Uh, well, we we already know how Aiden comes into the story um, yeah. through Sing the Weevil. But how did uh, Axel and uh, I'm going to push it again? Yeah. Kirvinen. Yeah. Okay, Kirvinen, yeah. Bear, and uh, and Axel and Lily. How did they come together prior to this book? Oh, right. Like, do they yeah. have like a, like a history or, or is this going to be revealed in, in later installments? Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't go there. I mean, um, uh, it is to be revealed at, to some extent, maybe in the second book or later on. So I don't want to uh, <laughs> say anything yet. We're still working on that. Spoilers. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> So how did you how did you and KP meet? How did you come to, to be this this collaborative union uh, to create this book? Well, uh, yeah, we go way back. I mean, we met uh, in uh, first grade. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, so, so we've been sort of this uh, uh, dynamic duo since uh, primary school, and. Uh, yeah, we've gone to junior high, high school, university, and like in between that, uh, we went to military, the same place to do our uh, military service as well. And uh, so, yeah, um, 
during those years we've done a lot of different uh, collaborations ranging from making short films or to uh, to comics to like, developing our own board games when we were bored <laughs> and uh, uh, and uh, of course making uh, making music and uh, playing together so but yeah uh, especially in uh, junior high school and high school uh, metal music and music in general was such a big uh, part of our daily lives that we we felt the need to kind of venture into that and since uh, KP has always been the better guitarist and like uh, he's he's really good <laughs> so so uh, you play guitar as well yeah but I'm I suffer from the same sort of uh, uh, panic attacks as Axel not in in the same extent but but I don't want to perform live I'm just like crippled so so that's partly why I haven't been in any like uh, real bands. I'm just like fooled around with the guitar like in my own bedroom or whatever. You're like Cedric Bixler from uh, the Mars Volta. <laughs> Wants to yeah. make the albums but doesn't yeah, want to yeah, tour. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to tour. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I think KP as well had a lot of stories to tell from those times of, in being in bands and uh, all that. So at some point, it was 2006, I believe. Uh, I think we were at a Pain of Salvation concert, and uh, we were just like looking at the crowd and looking at the band and just like joking to ourselves that yeah, we should actually make something out of like, our joint history. But at the time, we didn't know whether it would be a comic strip or like these. Uh, single panel cartoons or, or a graphic novel or anything and we played around with the idea for a few years and uh, in 2010 we suddenly had like a script <laughs> and uh, and yeah um, in 2012 um, I finally had like the financial buffer to be able to take some time off and begin with uh, the finished version of Sing No Evil. And, uh, and yeah, the actual execution phase took maybe one and a half years, a bit more. But anyhow, it is a tight crunch all in all. The book has a, a different name. Correct? Yeah, yeah, it's it's known by the title of the band Perqueros. Another word that I've <laughs> no, no, but you, you you need to pronounce them <laughs> in an English accent, anyhow. So it's good. It's so good. can you reveal to me any of your band names that you've had in the past? Uh, what was it? Wolfpack was okay. yeah was the one uh, in uh, junior high school, but that was like uh, yeah yeah. Yeah, Wolfpack, and there were other others as well. Malfunction, but that was sort of like uh, music I did with a, uh, another friend, and KB was just uh, filling in uh, when he had the time and uh, all that. It was good fun. So, Sing No Evil is, I mean, 
aside aside from it being a story about people that need to work together to create something beautiful, um, it's steeped in like musical emotion and history and, and especially um, philosophy behind music and the um, uh, Kiernan character himself is kind of this almost like this semi-ancient guru of different musics and especially in, in ancient yeah. music that um, has kind of disappeared over time and only travels in certain circles is only known to certain circles um, this might be a really big question and if you can't answer it that is completely okay but it's a two part question what is your like musical philosophy what does music mean to you and and how did you apply that to the book like, like how did you pour that into the book yeah um, to me music is like the ultimate like art form because if you think the ways you can consume it and enjoy it, it's its endless. Um, you can listen to it just casually with as a background music, or you can really, really listen to it, like pay attention to it and enjoy the details. And, uh, and uh, I mean, it, it's universal. You can, you can travel to any country and pick up an instrument and jam with other, like locals. It doesn't need uh, translating or words or anything like this. It's it's just somehow so magical in itself that it, it it's bewildering. And think of all the emotions it like raises in people. And uh, plus the part uh, which we are actually like a, a minor spoiler here. <laughs> <laughs> venturing into uh, on book two is like um, like traveling in time if you think that um, certain songs for example or melodies like, seem to take you back to another time like I remember where I heard this the first time or this takes me back to when I was I don't know a child or something like that so it has all these different elements and nuances in itself and that makes it so mysterious. <laughs> and uh, what was the other question? Uh, well, we talked about your philosophy on music, yeah. but um, using like like with that oh, yeah, 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 with yeah, that yeah. in true, mind, true. Yeah. what was your yeah. your goal? And because I mean, the way that it's presented in the book by yeah. by that, I read the conversation on. I mean, there was more conversations than that. There were at least two really poignant and significant conversations uh, from the Kirvanen character about his his music philosophy. Yeah. And he describes it as a very, you know, very, uh, like, tribal thing, a yeah. sacred yeah. thing, yeah. something yeah. that has been around for, for eons. Yeah. And that music holds almost like a forgotten magic. Yeah, yeah. And that's a really really powerful way to you know address music yeah you've got pop music I'm gonna end up going on a rant but you've got you know you've got a lot of music today that people just like to listen to the beat they just like to yeah. you know yeah. just want to dance and they do what they do and that's all well and good that's fine but people are, there are bands out there and there are people out there that are really working hard to make music with a message, with something that you emotionally connect to. You might have to work for it a little bit harder these days, but it is there. And the Perkeros band 
seems like a band that is trying to uphold that kind of, you know, just that approach to delivering music that will change people and will like awaken that magic within them. And I don't know if I just answered the question. <laughs> you did, you <laughs> did. <laughs> but that, that, that is totally fine. Yeah, exactly the point. Um, to, to us, we feel that music has been like the first way of communication, like prior to words or anything like this. So, um, so yeah, there is like uh, this hidden magic, magic in in melody and in tempo and in in beat and all that. And uh, that's that's partly what we want to like bring across. It's uh, I feel that Sing No Evil isn't necessarily uh, a story only about a metal band it's 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 a story about music in general i mean you don't have to dig metal bands of course you'll find uh, you'll you'll understand the references and find like amusing uh, stuff in that but uh, certainly don't need to be a headbanger to enjoy the book or so i hope and you don't well I don't know who wouldn't like music, but I, I feel that you don't. Yeah, <laughs> but you don't even have to be a music junkie. I feel because the whole uh, composing and uh, playing in, in bands and uh, all that sort of material we have in the book is still an allegory for other stuff. So. Um, I don't know. Uh, I I've noticed that uh, when when working, it, it's hard for me to read other stuff or watch movies or TV programs. But uh, since I get like inspired by them and uh, subconsciously start mimicking something I've seen, which has like been cool or whatever, so I was very cautious about. Like going to the movies or doing anything else except working on <laughs> Sing No Evil at the time. But what I could do is, of course, like consume music. So, uh, and I did a lot, lot of that, and from like a range of bands and artists. So, I, I, I feel that the same kind of philosophy is uh, what we had in making music has transposed to Sing No Evil and how it looks and hopefully how it behaves as well uh, with tempo and with pacing and all that stuff. Well, speaking of all of that, I mean, this book is incredibly visual. I mean, the, the art of it just leaps off of the page. Um, where did you get your start with art? And actually, let's go with that first. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I think I started drawing comics when I was 13, maybe. Uh, and I've, I've read like all the uh, classic uh, French and Belgian comics, the Bede, uh, Tantan and Asterix and whatever. And uh, at some point ventured into, uh, uh, into a little bit of manga read Katsushiro Otomo and uh, Samune Shiro, their stuff, 
but other than that, it it feel, felt still a bit uh, uh, too distant to me. Uh, like, uh, but um, then I found uh, Jeff Smith's Bone, and and I, I think that's been a big influence on how, especially like the pacing and storytelling has evolved in my uh, in my works. And I, I regard that as a big influence. And of course, when stumbling upon the flight crew, I think that's been a major influence in uh, in terms of how I think of storytelling and how I approach the medium and uh, in general. Nice. I always say nice. Like, like that's all you can <laughs> nice. say to something like that. Nice. Ah. Uh, what is your process? What is because I mean, like I said, this is some really, really elaborate stuff. Do you do? Do you use digital? Are you pen and paper? What do you prefer? Uh, what I ended up ended up doing was uh, I did uh, these small thumbnails of the whole book in pencil, and uh, then I scanned them in and uh, inked digitally, like over it in, in Photoshop and colored in Photoshop and all that. Uh, what I usually do is I, I work with traditional uh, pen and ink and paper, but uh, Sing No Evil was the first uh, project I tried uh, digital inking on, and uh, I thought that, okay, it might be a faster approach, but it ended up taking like twice the amount of time. <laughs> but. Uh, at the same time, I noticed that I'm evolving because I jumped from uh, my own, like, comfort, outside my own comfort zone. So, um, I think that did my, uh, did my uh, style some really good. Speaking of evolution, where is, what is your, your origin story in terms of, have you, do you have other books, do you have other work available because if I don't know about it you need to tell me <laughs> right now yeah. unfortunately they're all in Finnish other than so no evil of course you can find my works like uh, shorter comics in uh, the flight anthologies ranging from volumes seriously yeah yeah I didn't, I didn't know you were part of that series yeah yeah <laughs> ranging from uh, volumes four to eight there's eight volumes of flight yeah yeah where the hell have I been? <laughs> yeah, that's I wild, dude. Yeah. Um, do you have anything? Like, so the, your next move after? I mean, obviously, Sing No Evil just came out here yes. in the states. The English version just came out. Um, are you moving right into the next volume of Sing No Evil, or do you have anything planned in between? Uh, no, we're actually script writing the second volume right now, and I hope to begin with the storyboarding quite soon, maybe in a, in a month or so, hopefully. And uh, yeah, I've done this uh, uh, weekly comic strip in Finland since 2003, so I'm continuing with that each week. And we'll probably need to do a few freelance illustration gigs in between just to like, pay the expenses, but, but I hope to be able to focus on on this, since it's a mammoth, it's <laughs> it's a Herculean job, anyhow. So, 
can I have a walk-on in the next volume? Just put me in the crowd somewhere. <laughs> sure. <laughs> nice. uh, I will. I will. Nice. No worries. Nice. Um, oh my God. Okay, so let's let's get down to why we're really sitting down here. What's up with Bear? Who is Bear? Where did Bear come from? How did he? Are we gonna get to know how him and uh, Kevin and met? in future installments or are we just going to leave that a mystery uh, we'll see we haven't decided upon that yet um, why a bear I mean why not <laughs> like, uh, that is the correct answer yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah since we're both guitarists uh, I for one can't like drum anything except well a table so um, <laughs> it, it feels just odd to me like if you think of drummers like Mike Portnoy or Danny Carey or basically any anyone, they're animals. I mean, <laughs> like to have that coordination, uh, that understanding of time signatures and everything, it's just mind blowing. Tim Herb Alexander. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah, I uh, Bear was a, a character constantly throughout the book that just cracked me up. Um, I would not want to wake him up in the morning. <laughs> yeah, at yeah all. me neither. So, um, you mentioned there's a lot of uh, bands that kind of have uh, like visual guest spots. There's even a poster that speaks at one point. Um, yeah. So you've got Opa, yeah. and of course uh, Tool is is laden throughout the book. Now, some people have to find the references for themselves. But can you tell me maybe one or two of the Tool references that you used throughout the book? Yeah, I mean, uh, let's see, I'll check the page number for you, to be really clear. <laughs> um, uh, I know, you know what? Yeah, answer yeah. that, and then I have yeah. another question yeah. for you. <laughs> um, for example, on page nine, second panel, there's a, a wine bottle. Caduceus. Yeah. I still have a bottle of that, chilling for when the new Tool album comes out. I am jealous. <laughs> I want Come that. over to the States, I'll share it with you. <laughs> Excellent. I mean, yeah. I, I want to taste that. But yeah, here's one. And uh, Dude, if I was going home tonight and not staying in Jersey, I would totally bring it with me tomorrow <laughs> and open it up. Awesome. And yeah, I mean, uh, of course, like on uh, Bear's drum set, you have the same symbol as uh, Danny Carey. Why did I not recognize that? Yeah. Because it's... Uh, there it is. Yeah. It, it's too too evident. I'm, I mean, you've seen it thousands of times so so I think that's the thing but yeah I'll leave those two to that nice nice <laughs> yeah, yeah. now when okay so the, the the depiction of music specifically um, from when Aiden starts to sing um, there's hallucinations that yeah. happen um, the hallucinations from from what I could see were very sexual in nature yeah. um what was your your motivation behind that? Was there like, what was the reasoning for depicting it that way? Is that is that a way that you feel about music specifically, or did you do it just because it was fun visually? It's okay. You can tell this 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 is a rated R uh, yeah. interview. It's like it's not like I get a hard on every time I. Oh come to on, it. man! The demon putting the thing yeah. between the yeah yeah, yeah yeah the girl licking the uh, the neck of the guitar. Yeah, I can yeah, see yeah. it. Don't lie to yeah, me. Yeah yeah. But yeah, I wanted to depict the this arousal and like this 
this uh, temptation in it. And uh, obviously, since Axel, the protagonist, gets really lost in in the music, I want to depict music as this sort of uh, tempting goddess or, or something like this for, for him. And uh, and yeah, it's it's an intentional all the way to have this sort of uh, combination of sex in it so alright you can play coy all you want I'll admit yeah. that it got yeah, me yeah, a, little, yeah. a little hot bothered <laughs> <laughs> so how uh, have you been in enjoying uh, New York City Comic Con 2014 uh, for as long as you've been here yeah I have I mean it's been really nice to get to know uh, my publisher my editor all that stuff from Abrams Comic Arts I mean I can be happier and uh, I've been to San Diego a few times. It's my first New York Comic Con, so it's it's always interesting to see how, how things play out in different cities. Nice. Okay, two more questions, and then we're going to wrap this up. And they're okay. huge. <laughs> I didn't tell you about them because I, I wanted to throw them on you. And it was the worst worst thing I could possibly do because I know when people ask me, I, I draw a blank. But we're going to see if you can handle it. Okay. Who are some of your favorite bands? of all time okay. or if that's too hard who are you currently listening to and enjoying yeah. uh, my all time favorite bands or well at this hour uh, I'd, I'd still say Tool Opeth Porcupine Tree uh, Pain of Salvation um, who, who else I'm forgetting um, Rush um it's hard, isn't it? Yeah, there's loads, and it's not like I listen to any any of them like all the time. It, it, I notice that they're the bands I keep like coming back to, and it feels like coming home. So, so I might venture into like post rock bands, or or let's say, for example, folk music, or or whatever jazz oh Miles Davis is a huge influence nice. as well nice nice <laughs> yes and, uh, and uh, all that but uh, yeah yeah for some reason those are closest to my heart and I keep finding new stuff in their music even though I've listened to songs dozens of times thousands of times so I think that that says something in itself I mean if, if you still after all these years keep finding new elements or layers in in their music it's it's incredible I like it I like it it's good <laughs> okay now one before I get to the last question I'll ask you this have you ever heard well you've probably heard of do you listen to the band Failure Failure uh, it rings a bell I don't know if I listen to it oh wow yeah okay am well, I in, into something in, in for a treat oh you're 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 into my second favorite album of all time okay I'm gonna I'm gonna Dropbox you nice I'm gonna, I'm gonna get okay. you I'm gonna awesome. get you some uh, some failure because the name definitely rings a bell but they toured with Tool in the Undertow days yeah no no I haven't alright they no, just no. got back together for the first time in I think 17 years and I saw them here uh, and yeah. it was like what you have in this book, those like elaborate scenes and just 
mind-blowing scenes of that's what was going on on that stage. Awesome. I wept. That's how amazing <laughs> awesome. it was. Um, and the most important question of the entire interview. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite Tool album? Can only pick one. Oh, man. Yeah, you really dropped the bomb there. Um. <laughs> I already know my answer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, all the time. Well, I can only say for for now it's it's ten thousand days. Probably because it's the most recent one. But but yeah, Laterellas. That that's another I keep going going back to all the time. So, but no, I'll I'll stick with my answer. Ten thousand days. That is a surprising answer, but I respect it, and I think that is, no, it's, it's uh, my my third favorite of the. But I love it, and people people that I even friends that of mine that love that band to pieces, they like have gotten bitter because of like the timetable that the band releases stuff and things like that, and they've oh yo it's not that good, but there is so much magic happening on that album and so many movements of songs that are strung together that you don't even really realize it the whole Rosetta Stone thing and Lip and Conjuring and all of that stuff of the idea of taking the hallucinogenics and it you know overwhelming your system and then while you're overwhelmed being beamed up into a UFO and being told all of the the vital information about the end of the world and how you can prevent it and then they beam you back down and you forget all of the information that you were told because you never graduated fucking high school. It is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. All right, why don't you tell uh, tell our listeners where they can get in touch with you, find you on Twitter, websites, anything you got going on. Yeah, uh, Twitter, I mean, you can find me with uh, JP Ahonen. And uh, Facebook, um, you'll find uh, the Berker Oz, uh Facebook page on online and I I think that uh, singnoevil.com should work but if, if it doesn't uh, you'll find the comics website on perkeros.com that's d-e-r-k-e-r-o-s dot com what does perkeros mean? Uh, it's actually a combination of uh, a Finnish word perkele meaning the devil and uh Gerberos, meaning Cerberus. Uh, oh, the, the three-headed dog? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and there's like, well, clear evidence of uh, that mythology in the book as well with like, the rivaling band and everything. And uh, later down the road, there, there's going to be more Greek mythology in it as well. So, to spoil anything. <laughs> but, uh, anyhow. So, yeah. It, none of... None of the names are there by accident, so everything's pretty, pretty thought out and like uh, thought. Just like a tool album. Yeah. <laughs> so people are probably like, shut up yeah. on that. <laughs> no, no, but but it, it is evident that I I want to like respect my art and respect the story in the same manner as that band does. So I hope that comes across. Well, it certainly did for me, man. I got to tell you, this is my favorite graphic novel of the year as I sit across this table and, you know, I'm not going to say it because then, then, never mind. I'm going to wrap it up before I say something (laughs) even dumber than I just did. 
Uh, this has been Steve Say and J.P. Ohonen hanging out at uh, McGarry's on 9th Avenue outside of New York City Comic Con. Uh, Justin and Bobby have got lots of uh, treats for you from this year's ridiculously insane event. Uh, it's been madness. We'll, we'll have stories for you when we return to the podcast later this week. And uh, yeah, definitely check out Sing No Evil. just came out from Abrams Comic Arts. It is an absolute, just a marvel of a book. I cannot recommend it enough. You guys heard me on the podcast last week. You are just, way too kind. Dude, it's... I, I'm, I'm speaking from the heart, and as somebody who respects the messages in the book, specifically the messages about music and about bands and the synergy and the relationships between people that are in bands because I used to have one, I know what it's like, and it all comes out and bleeds out of this book and it's just, it's got passion written all over it and I have a huge, huge respect for that. So, and I have respect for you and, and KP and especially for Abrams Comic Cars for, for, you know, backing guys and putting it out. So, uh, yeah, that's going to do it. Um, we'll see you guys later. Yeah.